The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hi, and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I am joined by Jordan and Gabby of Ascend Hospice to radiate support today. Now, we met at the KC Metaph... Oh, no, not the Metaphysical Fair, the Mystic Fair. The Mystic Fair. Yes. The Mystic mm-hmm. Fair uh, in Independence a couple of weekends ago, and I was just fascinated because these two lovely ladies had a table to talk about their hospice services and the, the, the things they offer to the, the dying and their families by way of death doula services. And this is a new term to me. So, of course, I wanted to get them on the podcast to ask all about it because I find it fascinating. Thank you for joining us, ladies. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. I've been so nerdy about this all day. It's like, ooh, having death doulas on the podcast. <laughs> this is so exciting. It's really cool. And now you, it is a cool concept. Okay, and so... You know, I, I just have to ask, why why do we need death doulas? I mean, don't we know how to pass on from this life? So I think that a really important thing, a reason why we have doulas is there's a lot of stuff that transpires at end of life. Just like the rest of the li- our lives that we live, mm-hmm. they're very unique to us and family dynamics and who we are. And that is the very same for end of life. You know, um, we've seen patients who have, you know, a lot of family dynamics, maybe a lot of restlessness um, at end of life. And, you know, hopefully, you know, the concept and the idea would be that uh, we can have doulas journey with patients when they're on our services, hospice services, you know, prepare for what they might come to experience at end of life. So helping them with transitioning from this world to the next. So a doula is, you know, a non-medical support person, but most people think of a birthing doula. Right. (laughs) And so in that sense, a birthing doula 
helps bring people into this world. That's a transition, you know, right. going from the mother's womb to existing within the world. Yep. Well, right. there's also a transition between this world and whatever anyone believes is the next. Yep. It's, right. it's a process. It's not something that just happens. Yeah. And so do you, to do the work that you do, do you prescribe to a certain spiritual view of that transition? Is it necessary to do that? I don't think so. I think um, just being open to whatever beliefs um, that a person may have and understanding and meeting them where they are is important. Yeah. Not necessarily having like imposing my own belief on what their journey is going to be or their transition is going to be. I'm just here to help them journey to wherever they are going or whatever they believe they are going. So with that, in our training, we talk about this concept of putting on your doula shoes. So (laughs) there's who we are in life that we live within our workplace, within our friend groups. But those who, you know, want to practice as a doula, help other people, um, there's a reverence for that experience that someone else is going through. And we don't want to project our own thoughts and feelings and beliefs on them. Mm -hmm. I have several doulas that are have gone through our training program that have an array of beliefs and sometimes their beliefs provide them strength some people you know may utilize prayer for themselves to keep themselves grounded in the moment to help them be the best practitioner that they can be in serving our patients but I don't I think like Gabby said that you know we're being open and being there for the families and meeting them where they're at. Okay, so a belief in an afterlife is not really not required, you know? I don't think so. Mm-mm. Right. No, um, you know, we just, I like to tell people there's a beautiful place where they're going. Right. Um, especially at the very end. I, um, so I've, I've been in hospice for about six years, right. and I set what they say in the hospice world, a vigil aid. So I specifically mm. set end of life with patients um, for about three and a half of those years. And that's all that I did the last 24 to 48 hours. And sometimes it was a little bit longer, depending. Every person's journey is unique to them, just like right. their dying experience is unique to them. Um, wow. So I would always tell them that wherever they're going is better than what they're dealing with right now. And that just yeah. brought a sense of peace. And I wasn't imposing my belief, but it brought them comfort. And I think that that was very helpful to them in that, you know, in this experience. So. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You've had to go through uh, a certain amount of training for this. I mean, I I can't imagine myself just saying, hey, sign me up for this. I, I want to volunteer and just stepping into it. Right. What do you have to do to prepare for this? Well, there's lots of things. Yeah. <laughs> right. I look um, at Gabby because she's helping a lot with our what we consider onboarding of volunteers. Right. So yeah. she's helping a lot with You're our You're the training. volunteer coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we're both volunteer coordinators. Okay. So the doula program falls under the volunteer program because mm-hmm. um, we're, we're giving you a certification for your doula, uh, a certificate for your doula, mm-hmm. where some people pay for that. Some people go to classes and pay for that. We That's actually heard. met yeah. someone at the Mystic Fair who had taken a class like from the University of Maryland or Pennsylvania, yeah. something like that. You're right. And it was like a medical college and they went, they got their dual certification and they paid for it. 
wow. which is amazing that people want to do that. Absolutely. Because it is needed. Um, so needed. But what we offer is 100 volunteer hours of service, and mm-hmm. then we provide you with the training, um, the mentoring, and all of that, and the practical wow. hours, and you receive your uh, certification through that. So it falls under the volunteer right. program. So 100 hours. Yes. That's quite a lot. It's, yeah, it is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like quite a bit. Um, but I feel like a lot of times with our volunteers that want to sit vigil, that feel called to sit at the very end of life, right. um, and our doulas that sit at the very end of life, they, um, they, they sit in blocks of time. And so those hours add up pretty quickly. Sure. I know we have doulas that sit like probably two to three times a week with patients. Um, right. And... So those hours add up really, really fast. They do have to have beyond for an entire year because that's like the agreement. Right. Um, we provide you with the certification, the training, and then you provide us with the practical experience. So even year. if you were to um, do, right, if you mm-hmm. were to do the 100 hours like all in one fell swoop, you'd still have to wait a, a year. Yeah, because we believe, oh, I'm sorry. No, we're fine. We, think, yeah. <laughs> um, we believe that the practical experience is a big mm. part in that. So it's, you need, yes. like, someone help, they're supporting you and, mm-hmm. you know, and supporting patients and their families in this journey. Right. And, and the longer you have had that experience. So if you cram mm-hmm. it all in, it's a lot of information. It's a, via the training, our first initial training right. day. That is... That's the first step. We have mm-hmm. an eight-hour training day where you and other individuals who want to learn to be doulas attend. Right. Um, and our trainers, we go over this intensive, you know, it's a little bit of self-reflection. It's a little bit of what the heck is a doula. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's how how do I best support, you know, even talking about what, what might be your fears in in being a doula like right. so there's a lot that's covered mm-hmm. and you walk away with a lot of information and just like any in my opinion in any other experience when you get a bunch of information you kind of need some time to sit on that yeah and to pull that information back up so we have an online portal oh, where okay. we have learnings to you know it pulls back a little bit of that original learning but it also extends on that some right. extra added pieces that might not have been fully discussed in that initial day of training right and so you're continuing your learning by these online trainings but also continuing to practice if you did that first day of training your online learnings and all your hours so quickly that would be a lot of not only information, but emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. You kind of need some time to process too. Even if you're in the place that you think, yes, I'm ready to be a doula. I'm going to do this. It's it's heavy work. It is heavy. You, I can imagine. You have to take some time for yourself. You can't just put your all into it and expect, okay, I'm going to walk away being the best doula after, you know, just like any work you do. People need self-care and to take a break and, um, and so that's something that we also work towards in our doula program. So um, I think that's why it was decided, you know, mm-hmm. a year and a hundred hours. Once both of those two things are met, right. then that's when the certificate and obviously the classwork and that kind of thing is complete. But once that's done, then we feel you're a little bit more prepared. You've dealt with that emotional burden right? because it's heavy. It's heavy. Dying is it's. No one's going to get out of this world alive. <laughs> That's true. And, but there's also a lot of personal stuff that people could, you know, you could get tied in. There's, there's always, right. yeah. 
that possibility. And so we feel that having that mentorship throughout the year Mm -hmm. and those practical hours is very, very important. Oh, I can imagine. And I would imagine with the cycle of a year, you go through the holidays, you go through different weather conditions, you go through Mm -hmm. people's birthdays, you go through all these things, a cycle of a year, just so you you have the would have the experience of death around the holidays mm-hmm. and around birthdays and mother's day and father's day and all these different things mm-hmm. right it's yep. this is a sacred duty it's very sacred very yeah sacred um and i was going to say it's hospice is so real and raw like every emotion mm-hmm. comes up and people don't hold back and so I think that our doulas go through that and they see that, like they see the different emotions that have that come up right. with family dynamics or think, you know, like if someone passed around the holidays, that's going to be a difficult time from them for them, maybe for the rest of their lives, exactly. especially if they haven't been given the support that they've, that they need during that time. So, right. How much of, how much do you support the, the patient who's transitioning versus how much do you support the family? I honestly think it's probably pretty equal. And, and I think it could be different in each situation. Yep. That's so, a good answer. <laughs> so I have a, a doula of mine. She hasn't received her certificate, but I, you know, I call them doulas as they're mm-hmm. practicing throughout, and, you know, working on all of that. Um, she, she, she um, has shared stories with me about, you know, someone being alone and, you know, not one, you know, as Ascend Hospice, we're sitting with patients to make sure that there's a calming presence. There's someone there with these individuals, whether it's family, whether it's us, you know, we're going to, we're going to be there for them. And so there was an individual that my volunteer had sat with and she said there was, there wasn't any family. And so she felt called to, to be there and be present. Whereas, um, I've had another doula who went to, a vigil and she was going to relieve one of our social workers so mm-hmm. our social worker was going to head out for the day and this doula was going to go in and sit well right at the last minute some family dynamics just happened and wow. a family member needed to be escorted out or just asked to leave by another family member in the room just because mm-hmm. some and lots of chaos you know can come up and sure. so she walked in and the social worker said I was trying to send her a message hey don't come in she didn't want she didn't want to put that on someone who's a volunteer volunteering their time. So she my my social worker was like, I was about to say you know don't just don't don't worry about it. And, and what ended up happening was something really beautiful. My volunteer was able to go in and support the social worker and the family. Wow. And so she, the social worker said it wasn't so much that she came in and said okay we need to do what. Jill says it was right. that she was a calming presence, that she could be there to to be a team member with her. Right. And, to, and it was just even just her presence being there to help calm the environment. And so situation where you're very much there to help. Yes, the family yeah. dynamics, even our team members. And then one where. You're just you're just there to be present with this patient and provide right. peace and make sure maybe to be their advocate to go step out in the hall and say hey um, has this person gotten their medication recently right um, maybe to be the person that turns down the, the lights or asks you know maybe brings the door closed because there's someone 
sweeping out in the hallway and there's maybe there's a lot going on and so there's so much that a doula can do oh, um man. and it's I don't think it's ever going to look exactly the same at each vigil or at each I say vigil but <laughs> at each, each passing each passing yeah. right well and you know we've we've been dying for tens of thousands <laughs> if not millions of years right right we ought to be pretty good at this but there, but we, but none of us ever receive a training manual for it, right? right? You know, in, in families, it's like, well, especially if the first person dies, and we don't know what to do, yeah, right. That's I think maybe good. in in cultures, even fifty years ago, when more people were living close and living in a, a larger family structure, it's common, and, it's right? Common to be present at bedside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, death was in in our homes. It. It was real. It was so much more common. Yeah. And, right. and so... from that for some reason in our culture. Right, um, right. So I don't it's know like if a it's... taboo thing to talk about, right. to learn about, to be involved with. Um, and I think our hospice and our doulas provide the education and that support that's needed for families oh, and yeah. patients. I have um, again, another story. <laughs> a doula that she likes, she loves to use um, our oils that we have. So one mm. is called Journey and it's specifically developed for, you know, designed for palliative care, end of life care. Right. It's got frankincense and myrrh and rose. Rose and it's it's olive oil. Those are wonderful. I don't well you watching this on YouTube can't see this, but on top of my credenza over there, I've got rose and frankincense and myrrh. Oh my god! So, that's awesome. <laughs> tools of the trade. It's, it's a <coughs> it's a beautiful tool for our doulas right. at times, and some individuals are more comfortable with things than others. Like they feel like that's that's their what what they can utilize their tool. Right. Yeah. And so one of my volunteers, she she likes to you know offer to the family. I can massage this hand. Do you want to massage that hand when she's sitting bedside when right. it's near end of life? Because um, mm-hmm. it provides, you know, aromatherapy is very beneficial, but also that benefit of positive touch and mm-hmm. allowing the family, you know, letting them know without saying it's okay to touch them, but, you know, giving an, them an example right. of like, this is what we can do to make them comfortable without having to right. give them directions. This is what you need to do. It's more of a, if you'd like. We can rub this oil. We can massage their hands. It can definitely make them more comfortable, things like that. Oh, that's really nice because I think, you know, I've certainly had family members die, and we don't, we're just kind of feeling awkward sometimes. We just don't know what to do. It's nice to have direction, right? And nice to have suggestions. And I remember when my grandmother died, which was the first um, little death in the family that I had attended, and the hospice was invaluable, letting us know, okay, this is what's happening with your grandmother's organs. This is what's, what her process is right now. This is what you can expect. That was tremendously helpful, yeah. right? I think that's our goal. Um, when I, Kind of why I got into hospice in mm-hmm. general. Um, my grandma got really sick when I was like 18 or 19, and I couldn't even go into the hospital to see her because I knew nothing about sickness or dying or anything, and I, they were thinking that she might go. She didn't. Um, she survived, thankfully, but I, after a couple of years, I was like, why was I so afraid? Like, why was right. I so afraid? Why don't I know about this? Like, why no one was like, hey, let me talk to you. Let me tell right. you what's going on. Um, so I 
got my CNA and I was like, I'm going to, I want to take care of people in my family. And my friends were like, you're not going to be able to do that. You're so sensitive. Like you're not going to be a puddle on the floor. Yeah, basically. Um, and I found hospice and I just really, I felt called to it. Like I didn't, I definitely cried when I saw my first patient pass away, but I felt like I heard some, like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. So hospice is a beautiful thing to me. Um, and it's definitely given me the confidence and it helps me educate people. Like I educate my family and friends on like what we actually do. Like it's not just about dying, but it is dying with dignity, dying, journeying on that, going on that experience and that journey with you. So what, what do doulas do? Just walk me through that process. Okay. So (laughs) there is a lot that a doula can do. I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Obviously we talked about use of aromatherapy. Sure. So that's actually part of our. And Reiki too. You guys have Reiki. We do. We do have Reiki. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's not something we teach, but yes, <laughs> right. We we you bring in Reiki yes. volunteers. Yeah, and yes. as volunteers yes. provide Reiki to our patients. So that's, that's lovely. Really awesome. mm-hmm. And we have massage therapists so. on staff. Yes, mm-hmm. on staff. Mm-hmm. So, so yep, our patients uh, get massage therapy like either weekly or monthly or whatever they need yes. to help with pain control and positive touch. And, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so our massage therapists actually kind of help in our doula training program. They They come in and touch on all of the oils and what they're used for because we have partnered um, with an individual who's blended these oils to for Mm -hmm. specific diagnosis. Um, And so the, the massage therapists come in and kind of touch on that, explain that and go over hand massage techniques and tell them, you know, if you're setting the intention, you're not going to do it wrong. And so they go over that with our, all our doulas so that they can do that at the end of life. So they have something to do. Because I know some people are doers. They want a task. They yep. want, yes. a, you know, this is my goal. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring to the family. Another doing thing is we have vigil planning. So if we mm. have patients who are on service and they want to have those difficult end-of-life type conversations, doulas are ready for that. They're they're right. ready to have those conversations. They can facilitate those conversations that the patient may not want to have with the family. They may be worried about what their family member might feel or think or have to say about their thoughts about end-of-life. Um, sure. So another doing thing, but it it can mean a lot to patients to be able to have someone to share that too. Sure. Um, Let's also do like vigil planning with our patients. Mm -hmm. Um, So like asking them what they want and during their dying experience, like how they want the mood set, um, the space around them. Do they want candles lit? Do they want it to be a low lighted area? Do they want lots of friends and family in the room with them? Or do they want it quiet and peaceful with music playing? They go in and have those conversations because it empowers the patient to still sure. have their independence in some way. And mm-hmm. their, um, yeah. Oh, that is beautiful, beautiful. Um, I just have to ask, is this something that's covered by insurance? So all, so 
It's a hospice. Hospice is an insurance benefit. Yeah. So. What? Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a benefit within right. every insurance that pays 100% for hospice. Oh. So wonderful. within private insurance, commercial insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, um, there's a benefit that pays 100% for hospice. So. Wonderful. So, yes. especially with Ascend Hospice, if you're on hospice services, mm-hmm. you are allowed to have these opportunities. You know, yeah. we have volunteer services in mm-hmm. general that provide companionship. And those extra trained doulas that are mm-hmm. ready to have those companionship conversations, those deep conversations, those vigil planning. So technically, yes, it is covered <laughs> under insurance. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because I can imagine we've got massage therapy and aromatherapy and a social worker and a doula and, you know, people around the clock. That's and absolutely. And even, you know, if, if need be, we provide, you know, maybe a special bed maybe they have maybe they're in the home and the bed that they're in isn't something that's conducive for maybe their ability to get up and down or get around in the house and so we can provide a hospital bed into the home we can provide a low air loss mattress in case we have patients that might be getting sores from their bed right Um, and so it helps prevent things like that and you know wheelchairs and bedside commodes and Walkers, things that are needed for them, right? Because you know, if they're on hospice for, for these things, yeah. right? Then, then we provide those things. But also, yeah, for their comfort, right? And their dignity too. And their dignity, Absolutely. so they can get up out of bed themselves and get to the commode if they can, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. while they still can. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Okay, so Gabby, I I understand your why. That you were afraid when your grandmother was in hospice and you were at, and she was at the hospital. Mm-hmm. I totally relate to that. Being 18 years old, you're just, you just have no concept, right? And so yeah. this is something you wanted to do and get into so that you could understand it. Now, Jordan, what about you? What's your why? <laughs> so the, the medical field has always been very present in my life. When I was, I was in fourth grade my brother was diagnosed with cancer. Um, So luckily he, he was diagnosed with what you would want to be considered the kind of leukemia that you would want to get if you had to get leukemia. So the treatment process was a three year process and then remission and yada yada. But he is um, about to graduate college and he's fine. So wonderful. No heart, heartbreaking story there, but just, it was always present in my life. The, possibility of death and the the medical field was ever present in my life you know going to the hospital to take care to get chemotherapy going to the hospital for Garrett to get a checkup and very very present in my life and um I didn't ever really decide but just kind of knew I'm going to be in the medical field so how do I best help people in the medical field um I had an internship at a children's hospice because I had... That's hard. Working with children had always resonated with me, working with children who were sick, because I kind of understood a little bit about that. I I know I myself wasn't in that situation, but... But your brother was, and so you know how to support somebody and support, you know, what the family's going through. Yeah. And so I experienced hospice and was like, what is this? This is amazing. I wow. I didn't really know what to expect when I went into it. Just, I'm going to work with kids, and I was going to be the person who brought in games and fun things. To um, distract them. Yep. 
And so then I learned, I was like, about the beast that is hospice and the whole, you know, the team that all the things that comes along with hospice, the bereavement coordinators that follow up with families, the social workers who are doing their routine visits, the I had um, an amazing experience in there, what they call IDT, interdisciplinary team meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, So going into there and hearing the doctor asking a chaplain what she thought we should do for medication with the patient, not necessarily as her medical professional opinion, just talking about um, pain medication administration. So this individual was 16 years old. So how do you promote dignity in for this patient? And so having that conversation with the chaplain and the doctor listening to what they had other team members had to say was like, at that point, that's when I knew, okay, hospice is amazing. So now let me experience it in a different way. Let me see, you know, can I, can I understand, you know, how it works for individuals who are at end of life, who've experienced life throughout. Right. Um, and so I did another internship and came to us in um, and have, have stayed because I genuinely want to help people help people. Figure that's the, that's, that's the call. That's yeah. Calling. yeah, yeah. Hi, this is Christy. I just want to say that we here at Radiate Wellness hope you're enjoying this podcast. It's free to you, and we hope that you find it informative and inspirational, heck, even fun. We have just three small asks of you to help us radiate growth. First, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. That way, you'll receive a notification every time that we have a new podcast episode out. Next, please give us a thumbs up, a like, or a five-star review. If you're feeling inspired, a positive review wouldn't hurt. These two small things will help others find us when they're searching for great podcasts. Finally, please tell your friends about the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Better yet, show them how to find us and how to subscribe. If everyone did that, we would double our audience. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. So, Jordan, you come at this from a social work perspective, and Gabby, you come at it from a nursing perspective. That's really what, you know, what we want, right? Um, So, like, what is the most, what do you think is the most rewarding thing about what you do? What do you love best about it? Well, there's a lot of things. I'm trying to, like, pinpoint, like, the most rewarding. Sorry to put you on the spot. Um, I really, I really like what Jordan said. Helping people help others, Mm -hmm. I think, is a big deal Mm -hmm. um, for me. But it's also... At Ascend, no one dies alone, and that's yeah. a big deal to me. Um, I, I think it's everyone's there for the birth. Everyone should be right. there for the death well, as well. So, right. right. I, I love when I get those calls from my doulas to when they're telling me about their experience that they've had helping a family deal with that difficult time that they're having. Right. Um, and so – it's almost like being able to empower other people because there's no way that, you know, one person, even two people can be able to address all that there is about death. Right. And so being able to hear, hear other people say, I was able to do this for someone. Yeah. It's, it's so big to 
be the person that they can share that to. Because it's, you get to be thanked in this field. It's not a thankless job, but no one wants to brag like, oh, I did this. And so I love being able to be the person that celebrates everyone's strengths. And they can come and say, maybe they didn't have the easiest time and I can help build them up so that they can do it again and do better and be there and be calming presence for those patients that are passing. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Do you have any stories of something that would be typical or really heartwarming or just really stand out for you? Like personal experiences? Yeah, like with, with your work. Um, so I, when I, I sit, I, I think we all sit vigil at times now, uh, but I've yeah. sat a lot of vigil times. Right. Um, I sat with a younger person, probably about 13. Um, and wow. I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it, honestly. Like when they asked sure. me, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think that this is going to be for me. Um, I love kids and I, I was like, I don't know if I can deal with that. I've only dealt with geriatric patients or older patients who are passing. Um, And I sat with this boy for about four days. He passed on the fourth day that I was there. Um, And I have, and there were lots of raw emotions, obviously, and so many emotions and different family dynamics that came up. Um, And I left there and I cried. I bawled my eyes out. Because I was like, how is it that it's okay that a 13-year-old doesn't make it through, like, and get to live his life? Um, But I also, like, had a piece come over me that was like, you tell everyone that what they're going through at this time is going to be better when they transition. Don't you believe that for that 13-year-old he was suffering? And I was like, I do believe that. And um, I actually got a tattoo in his memory. Um, and it says, be your own beautiful. And this was above his wow. bed. And his dad said that multiple times to him while I was there. And oh. I was like, what an amazing reminder. And I was like, it's so amazing. I'm going to put it on me. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. How about that's you, so Jordan? Um, I don't have as powerful of a story as Gabby, but it's... Every story is unique. Every story is powerful. So I had my... One of my amazing volunteers who sits vigil at crazy hours. We don't normally expect it of people, but she sits, you know, evening. That's best for her life. So she sits, like, overnight evening hours um, into the morning. We hours in the morning. <laughs> Not expected. She That's What's just what she's called to do. She wants right. to be there at that time to provide that break. Um, well, she was telling me just maybe a couple weeks ago, actually, she um, was sitting bedside with the patient, and um, her son would like pop his head in and check on mm-hmm. on the fam- on on his mother and and our doula, and mm-hmm. he'd pop his head in, and then he'd kind of pace around and he'd go outside. And she would she offered, why don't you come in? And first couple times he said no. Um, he would he he couldn't he didn't think he could handle it. Right. Well, slowly throughout the time that she was there, he finally came in and sat down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because he thought he was just going to stay in for a minute. And so she got him to you know, kind of share some stories about his mom mm-hmm. and things that he remembered and their life together and things about her. Um, and he 
he ended up staying in there and was in there while his mother passed. Um, Like, when she took her last breath and our doula was able to, like, help him have that experience because had he not had a support person with him, you know, may not have been the same. Right. Um, And so... He may have regretted it. And and after that, he even shared with her, you know, I'm alone now. And and she, you know, oh, you obviously have to let people feel what they're feeling. And she's like, it's going to be that way at times. But, you know, you have, you have your wife, you have your daughter. So at that point, the doula was able to comfort him mm-hmm. and to bring him some peace about that, right? Definitely. So the doulas are not medical, nope. definitely, but part mom, <laughs> part, you know, wise aunt, yeah. part hand holder, part babysitter, part psychologist. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whatever they need. Things. Whatever they need at that time. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So, you know, my world is the spirit world, is the metaphysical side, is yeah. the woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's so funny that you say that. Why is that? I have a friend that says that, oh, Gabby's into that woo-woo stuff. <laughs> The woo-woo stuff. Yeah, the woo-woo stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, we hear stories all the time of there was a mysterious person in the room that, you know, we couldn't identify or somebody will, on their deathbed, will be saying, oh, there's my mom, there's my husband, um, I've been with family members and their dog will show up and, you know, different people. Uh, my uncle had a sister who died when she was young. I had no idea, but here's this sister and I'm like... I don't think I know you. Yeah. And, you know, just many, many different things will transpire at end of life. Have you experienced any of that? I myself have never experienced seeing any um, mm-hmm. one, but I have, I've, I've been with patients that have said, there's my mom. She's here to get me. Um, mm. There's my dad or there's an angel um, mm-hmm. right here. And they're saying they're ready whenever I am. Um, I have um, an interesting story. Kind of like freaked me out a little bit at first, mm-hmm. but um, I was sitting with a, a gentleman, and he was alone, um, mm-hmm. and I was the only one with him. There was a picture of his wife on the window seal, and it was a pretty large window seal, so it was kind of set back a little bit. Um, and he started to decline, and I could tell like it was getting closer that he was going to pass. Um, and all of a sudden, that picture jumped off the window seal and I was like and the funny thing is like I got like for one second I was like huh that's creepy and then I was like I think your wife's ready for you to go like I think she's and I it just it just came out of my mouth too like I didn't even like I just like one second I was like oh that's creepy and then I was like no I think your wife's ready for you to go now and within wow. an hour he was like he let go and passed and wow. so yeah and I've seen like electricity turn off and turn back on sure. when someone passes away um, just very interesting stuff. Nothing like scary happens, but, um, just very, <coughs> very cool stuff. I think, um, <coughs> we actually in our trainings tell all of our volunteers, um, cause we want them to be aware. It brings spiritual right. feelings. Um, and it also brings, like, I do believe that their loved ones are visiting them and talking yeah. them through this process, like mm-hmm. telling them that it's going to be okay. Just as we are telling them that. Mm-hmm. And telling them that they're ready for them whenever they are. Um, so we do in our regular trainings. We let our volunteers know what's what can happen at the end of life, as well sure. as our doulas. So 
Right. It's a common knowledge among hospice that those things do happen. Mm-hmm. And um, another thing that we kind of encourage everyone to know when, you know, maybe their family members on hospice, um, just mm-hmm. our volunteers in general, oftentimes hearing is the last sense to go. So I know it's not necessarily that other end, but sometimes people who are here with us who might be lingering on, we're wondering, you know, how come mom hasn't passed? You know, she hasn't eaten in this many days. You know, right. she, or she, you know, what's, what's keeping her here? Right. And sometimes, you know, we do share with families that, you know, maybe, maybe your loved one needs to hear from you, you know, that, that it's okay. Or, you know, you're yes. going to be taken care of. I've had um, a vigil that I sat at that the, that the son-in-law mm-hmm. had, you know, had to tell the mother that he, he was, he was going to take care of her daughter now and it was okay for her to go. And, you know, other situations where wow. they, you know, maybe have been holding on and, uh, we get a, our, our team is awesome. We've had chaplain, <laughs> you know, put on the phone, the, the cousin that's out of state or right. the daughter that's yeah. not, that can't be there. Right. And getting to have that final moment, that final thing that they yeah. say. And I think a lot of people would be like, well, they, they can't hear us, and, but it's, but it's not they the can. case. Yeah. They can't. So do you think that, um, how someone dies has anything to do with how they've lived. I, I do definitely. I kind of figured that was the case. So tell tell me more about that. So, and I tell a lot of my, like if I were to sit vigil and um, maybe a family member may ask, you know, those questions, how come they haven't passed? Well, we do also present to some of our family members that, you know, mom was a really private person she may not she may be holding on for you to step out of the room so be aware that if you do step out you know that you know just that's a possibility that she may pass right it's not uh she didn't want you there it may be her trying to protect you a lot of moms that's the thing to do they want to protect their kids and so sometimes Mm -hmm. you know they die doing the mom thing. They wait till their family's out of the room so they don't have to experience that. Right. Um, and so... It can be traumatic. Yeah. Yes. Um, I had gone to a talk given by Echo Bodine, who is a very well-known medium, and she was talking about at the end of life many times that, you know, the family's sitting vigil, and they say, okay, it's not going to be for a little while yet. We're just so hungry. Let's go get something to eat. And then that's when they pass. And she said it's like, you're in the bathroom and somebody's standing outside and you're just kind of waiting to, for them to go away so you can do what you need to do. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so, and honestly, all the times that you said you were waiting vigil or talking about waiting vigil, I had in the back of my mind thinking, I wonder if that person is. So, so you guys are aware that that's, Mm-hmm. Right, you know, that's a possibility. As a possibility, so what do you what do you do? I mean, do you just like maybe schedule a time to step away? I don't know that we necessarily schedule time to step mm-hmm. away, um, but I know that we. I know I just always tell the family, "Hey, like I maybe you should go get a drink of water or some <coughs> something to eat." Like when I sometimes it's <coughs> feeling that I feel like, and I. Obviously, I've had these conversations before. You know, if right. you step out, like, I believe things that happen how they're supposed to at this time. Right. Um, and so I have those conversations, and I'm like, 
go have something to eat, have something to drink. Right. Um, and we prepare them for that. So if it does happen, and so we ourselves take breaks. Like we, you know, have to go to the bathroom or right. go get a drink of water or also step out to eat. Like we, that's their space and we want to keep that their space. So if we have something to do, we step out of the room. And if it happens while we step out, that's okay. That's okay. Yes, mm-hmm. it's, that's okay. And, and I think the thing is, you know, the hope, the goal, the wish would be that um, we can foster some of these conversations before we get to our imminent dying phase. Yes. To, and and it's not something that's 100% happening with everyone, and it's going to take some time, and it may not ever be right for some people. But to be able to have the conversations, you know, what do you think you might want um, at when it when it gets to be the time, what would what would you like? Do you want everyone to come? Do you want everyone to gather around? Um, do you right? What do, do you, you want? want? Right. So, what are some common things that people talk about or experience at the end of life? Do you think? Is there any commonality, or is it just like wow, it's just so different for each person? Um, I definitely think they're more open to like spiritual talk, mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily any certain religion, but just talking about what the, what may be on the other side, um, experiencing those thoughts and feelings with our chaplains and our chaplains are all non-denominational. So really what they go in is just to have conversations with our patients, um, whatever they want to talk about. So our chaplains go in and have conversations Mm -hmm. about if, you know, if they're religious and they would like to uh, experience those rituals at the end of life. Right. So a lot of our patients are, you know, we have Catholic patients that right. use sacrament of the sick. So you, they come in and do the last rites and mm-hmm. do communion. Um, whatever that may be, we are open to it all. And we, and like, I feel like um, they do open up more when they get closer to passing um, right. about those spiritual feelings. So this has been a very important conversation. I, I feel like I really gained a new respect for what you guys do. And I think it's so important. And so, again, uh, Jordan and Gabby with Ascend Hospice. Yes. And you have a facility? No. We okay. go to patients' homes and nursing homes, wherever they live. So wherever okay. they may live, we wherever go to. Mm-hmm. And is there a website? There is, ascendhospice.com. Excellent. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. We, we are so glad to come. Yay. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.